Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. I know how to run a hair salon, but for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. She's a small business owner, too, so she knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. You're the first on this super talented roster to get the Daytona 500 for Hendrick Motorsports. I mean, mm. what has your experience been like over the last two hours since the checkered flag wave? Have you been able to really Dude, cherish? it's been two hours. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it feels like a dream. I mean, it. Yeah, it's still just kind of setting in. I feel like there's so much work it takes to get to this point, and you just cherish those moments with your team. And But, yeah, you definitely want to be the, the guy that wins the, the big races, but a lot of emotions. I mean, just a lot of – just my favorite part was the confetti just because that's what I always remember about the 500 is the confetti shower, and uh, that part was really cool. You know, I grew up watching Jimmy, I think, in 06, winning the 500, and that was that's what I remember. <laughs> Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. After a one-day postponement for rain, the 2024 Daytona 500 is in the history books, literally and figuratively. On the 40th anniversary to the day of its first cup start ever, Hendrick Motorsports now has a record-tying ninth Daytona 500 victory. William Byron, the self-described just-a-kid-racing-on-computers, has gone from iRacing star to champion of the Great American Race. His number 24 Chevrolet was leading just ahead of teammate Alex Bowman's number 48 when the yellow flag flew on the last lap Monday night, giving team owner Rick Hendrick his first Daytona 500 win in 10 years. With the timing of the final caution delaying NASCAR's official call, Byron was pleading on the radio with crew chief Rudy Fugel, or anyone on his team, for confirmation of the biggest victory in his life. Well, no one told me, so it was like Rudy was crying on the radio, so I was like, dude, like, I hope he's crying for a good reason, but uh, I mean, I guess he was. He was he was a, a ball of uh, emotion there, and uh, so I was still like, did we actually win or not? And, uh, and then I think Brandon came on the radio and said, it, you know that we had we were first or whatever so um it still hasn't sunk in yet so I feel like it's it's just kind of a blur and I feel like there's just so many things that have to go your way to to win a race like this and um it's special I mean this is the this is the biggest race so it's um and stuff happens so fast so it's just it's honestly a chess game that you're just trying to play and I feel like we uh, were able to come out on top. Byron is entering his seventh season in the Cup Series, a stretch that remarkably constitutes roughly half of the 26-year-old's career in race cars. While many of his peers began racing as toddlers in go-karts and quarter midgets, Byron started several years later as nearly a teenager after growing up in Charlotte with a passion for online racing. He was a neighbor of future Hendrick teammate and seven-time Cup champion, Jimmy Johnson. Dustin Long, NBC Sports. William, can you 
take me back to when you first started racing and the notion of what those early days were like compared to you know you know this this path to this moment i've always been really raw throughout my career you know i have a lot of like undeveloped talent i guess you could say so i feel like speed was always easy for me like making lap time by myself was always really easy and came natural but racing around other cars and managing you know all those things is has been tough but um it's just come over time you know i've spent i've spent half my racing career in the cup series which is crazy but um it's just the the way that my career trajectory kind of went and I think Mr. H always knew that putting me in the cup series would allow me to learn the things I needed to learn and um you know we've been able to see kind of the the evolution of that with my team over the last year and a half so um yeah it's pretty crazy I mean I just think back to the desire I had to compete and race and that was unmatched I feel like from anyone else like I wanted it so bad because I never grew up around it but it was something that I always loved and so I think um that's what that desire has kind of always fueled me more than more than anything I just I I want it for no other reason because it's just my passion uh, obviously the you've told the story many times about trick-or-treating at Jimmy's house and, and Jimmy said, you know, he went and reminded you about that the, when he congratulated you. The idea that at one point you were trick-or-treating at, your, at his house and here he is coming up to congratulate you in yeah. victory lane at, for the Daytona 500. What, what is that like for the eight-year-old kid inside of you? Yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, I feel like I've always had a bit of imposter syndrome because I like I race against Jimmy Johnson. I'm like, dude, this guy was my hero. Like literally watched every Sunday, had his diecast cars at my in my room and uh just dreamed about, you know, what it would be like to be in his shoes and um now I get to race against him and um it's definitely it's a pretty crazy emotion to go through just getting into the cup series, just honestly being happy to be there and then figuring out, okay, well how do I what are my goals? What are the things I want to accomplish? And I feel like I've always had a bit of um, kind of work through fear, like work because of fear. And I feel like that's fueled me because I, I never want to lose the opportunity to race in the Cup Series and uh, have a shot to win races with the team I'm with. Though he had a breakout 2023 season and made the championship four with a career high six victories last year, Byron still entered 2024 with a chip on his shoulder and with the understanding that he still trails teammates and cup champions Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson when it comes to Hendrick Motorsports' renown. You have two teammates who are cup champions. One's the most popular driver. The other is somebody who most people say is one of the world's greatest talents. Do you ever feel kind of lost or not part, or, and does it... I'm the other guy. Yeah, you're the <laughs> other guy. So does, it, does that bother you at yeah. all? And do you, how many times do you need to win to not be the other guy? Yeah, I, I use it all as fuel. So just keep it coming, uh, all the preseason predictions and everything. But um, I, I think it just, for me, I just try to, I try to stay quietly focused. I feel like for me, I, I do well, you know, having my own space and being able to work through the, the things with my race team and, um, you know, I have to kind of balance that kind of calm demeanor with um, working with my team and being vocal enough to to do the things we need to do to get the car better and things like that. But um, I don't know. I don't read too much into it. I'm never going to be the most vocal guy. Uh, I just I just enjoy getting in the race car and putting the helmet on and going to work. That's that's what I've always lived for. 
Jordan Bianchi, The Athletic. Why did you have a chip on your shoulder going into this year? Did you feel like people were really were doubting you, or is that just something you were telling yourself to kind of you know push yourself? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I'll ever get that chip off my shoulder. I think it's always been there. It's just I'm very quiet about it. But um, I don't know. There's always reasons to, to find. I mean, we didn't win the championship, and, um, you know, we don't get talked about the most, and, you know, other people get more uh, – you know, more publicity, things like that. And I feel like I just, whatever I find, I use as motivation. And it's just the way I've, the way I've always been internally. Um, I don't express that a lot, but it definitely, you know, burns inside. And I feel like that's what fuels your off seasons. A lot of times is just, what can I find? What little edge can I find to, to be the best? And um, there's still tons to learn. I can be a lot, you know, more complete in the car and, I feel like your racecraft and things are always evolving and, um, you know, just trying to, to be a better version inside the car with my team. There's a lot of doubt that creeps in. Um, I feel like it goes back to me wondering if I'm right for the sport because I'm so, I came in in such a different way. And I feel like there's a lot of things that I didn't learn, like going through go-karts and quarter midgets and all those things. And so I kind of wonder sometimes, or did wonder like, man, if, am I doing it right? Do I have all the ingredients it takes? And um, definitely had to just learn, kind of just grow a little bit thicker skin to be in the cup series and learn what it takes each week. And um, I feel like that took time. That took probably three, three and a half years to, re- to really get to that point. And I think some of the people and relationships I had with Chad, you know, he, he enforced that. I felt like he, he kind of brought me to the next level, just seeing how, you know, he operated and how he handled things. That's a reference to Hall of Fame crew chief Chad Knauss, whose steely demeanor guided Byron to his first career cup victory in 2020 at Daytona. The mental toughness preached by Knaus came in handy Monday night for Byron after he inadvertently had triggered a 23-car wreck by hooking Brad Keselowski while battling near the front late in the race. Yeah, I hate that it happened. I mean, the 48 and I were working well together on the bottom, and somehow we got shuffled or we moved to the middle, and we started pushing each other up there, and um, he was pushing me in that sequence, and the six and the one were kind of snaking all three lanes, and um, I think just honestly, we got misaligned with our push and, and I got sideways and hooked the six and, um, yeah, I feel really bad about that because I feel like that was, um, you know, things were getting really intense with the pushes and I felt like it was getting to the point where I couldn't handle all the pushes and, you know, you just, you just try to get through those, those moments. And I guess after the red flag, rolling the caution laps before we chose, I, I just thought to myself, man, I know what just happened, like huge wreck, like all those things. I felt bad about that, you know, the push, all those things. And um, I just had to block that out and then think about, man, this might be my only shot to ever win this race. Like literally, like there's a lot of people that never get a chance to line up on the front row with two laps to go. So um, that, I feel like that motivated me, just the, the thought of this might be the only time I get this clean of a chance. And um so, yeah, I think I might never have a chance to win this race again, honestly, and um, so I'm going to cherish it for that reason. No matter what you're into, it's all about what what gets you up in the morning. What is it that you absolutely can't go without? And for me, that was racing. I didn't know that I was going to be a race car driver, but um, getting in through iRacing and, you know, being on there, I mean, I was obsessed. Like, I would go in there 
every hour of the day. And, um, you know, I had to balance it with other things. And I felt like, you know, schoolwork and all, all the other things I'd have to balance, but, you know, racing was what always was my passion. And, um, you know, if you find something that you love, you spend every minute of the day thinking about it. Byron's drive inspired post-race giddiness for team owner Rick Hendrick and vice chairman Jeff Gordon, who watched his number 24 return to Daytona 500 victory lane for the first time in 19 years. Shane Connick, Charlotte Observer. So, Rick, Williams' success last year speaks for itself, and now he's adding Daytona 500 winner to this resume. And as he continues to etch his name into NASCAR history books, what is it that you notice about him, you know, not even just his success on the track, that's making him, you know, a star for this sport? William puts in the work. I mean, that's all he thinks about. He's in, in the simulator. He's watching tapes. Uh, he has... He has worked so hard. People won't, people don't realize how much time he puts in. But bringing Rudy on gave him that confidence because they were so successful in the truck series. And, man, they just picked up and clicked. And it, when you think about his age and how smart he is and how he races like a guy that's been doing it for a long time, doesn't make many mistakes, uh, but he just – he eats and drinks and sleeps winning, and he puts in the work. And uh, I think Rudy can attest to that. But he, the guy is uh, – I've never seen anyone any more dedicated putting in the work than he does. I try not to be biased, but William's making it hard on me. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, it is 2024, um, and, you know, the 24 is always going to be very, very special to me. But I, what I love the most is seeing him make it his number and, and, and building that fan base, um, not only of the, the 24 fans been around for a long time, but his own fans. And that's uh, – and a, a win like this, my gosh! I mean, this is going to elevate that up to the, to the next level and and bring a whole lot more new fans to the sport and 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 for Williams. So that that's what I get excited and, and look forward to. While Byron and Hendrick Motorsports made history Monday at Daytona National Speedway, there were other revelations and tells about the 2024 season that came out of Speed Weeks. Here are some other things we learned at the World Center of Racing, starting with defending series champion Ryan Blaney. The Team Penske driver unfortunately has had an eventful and violent start to his year. Blaney endured a 55G hit in a right front impact during the first qualifying race last Thursday. Just like the 70G hit he took last August at Daytona, Blaney was able to bounce back to return to a backup number 12 Ford the next day. But he then crashed again while running for the lead late in the Daytona 500. This was just, you know, racing at the end of the 500, and uh, this one didn't hurt nearly as bad, so that part's nice. But, uh, yeah, it's a shame. I thought we had a shot at it. Yeah, just unfortunate with our Pete Menards, Ford Mustang, really fast. Um, uh, proud of the effort by the 12 boys. Shame we tore up a couple race cars, but um, going next week. The mood was understandably lighter last week on Media Day, where Blaney was asked by Dustin Long about the bigger megaphone that accompanies his 2023 championship. Uh, Dustin Long, NBC Sports. As a series champion, you've got a seat at the big table. Um, in essence, your voice carries a lot more weight than it did last year. And obviously, you've done a lot of things in the past to kind of be out there. But now that you have, I guess I'd call it a seat at the table, at the big boys table, what's the impact and how do you want to help be heard on different issues and, and, and help shape the sport? Yeah, um, 
yes, multiple sides of that. So, yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's opportunities outside the sport. I feel like that are uh, important to do, and I, I got to do a good amount of it in the winter. There's a lot that are coming down the pipeline for this year that I'm really excited about um, to grow the sport outside of you know the racetrack and, and its inner workings. Um, but then also in the sport, you know, I, I feel like your voice does have some, you know, I think people trust you and believe you a lot, right? Like it's, it's really funny. Like you, oh, you do something like you win a championship and now people like maybe listen more to what you're saying. It's like, well, okay. It's a little different, but, uh, I do think it's important to, you know, for me, I've never been one to always raise my hand and speak up with anything that's on my mind. Like if I speak out on something that's really important to me and I really have a strong feeling about it. Um, I've always thought that, that less words used the right way is better than a lot of words used, you know, for nothing. Uh, so, uh, I think that's, that's something I, you know, might do a little bit more is, is maybe having my, you know, bringing up things that I think are important for the sport and bringing them up more, uh, whether it's internally with NASCAR or if it gets to, having to do them externally in the public, then maybe I have to, but, um, I'm never going to be one to just be, you know, have a voice just to have a voice, right. It has to have a purpose. Uh, so, and then I, I think I need to pay attention to uh, a little bit more, maybe some more issues going on because I'll probably get asked about them more, right. Cause you are a champion and people are going to ask, what do you think about this and that? So I, I probably need to pay attention to a little more little details. So I know what I'm talking about if I do get asked about that stuff. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I think using your voice when it's an important time to do it. Um, to where you have some weight behind it, I think is, is something that um, I try to utilize this year. Blaney also reflected on the impact of the Netflix docuseries that was filmed during his championship run and how a pre-race moment picked up during the all-access special embarrassed his fiancée, Gianna. Zach Sterniolo, NASCAR.com. Ryan, a few weeks removed now from the Netflix docuseries going live. What's the reception been like that you've seen um, and how, how did you feel like um, it represented the sport? Yeah, I thought it was positive. Um, I haven't seen too many negative things about it, honestly. Uh, I, I think everyone really enjoyed it. And you hope it reaches uh, across the board, right? You hope it reaches the NASCAR fan already. Uh, and then you hope it reaches somebody who never doesn't know anything about the sport. Um, that's what that platform does, Netflix. And um, I, I think I have met people, heck, I met a lot of people in L.A. who were like, hey, this is our first race because we watched the Netflix documentary. And we were intrigued and we want to check it out. Uh, and that's what you hope to do, right? That's, that's how you have to grasp people. It gets harder and harder to grasp a new audience every year, um, whatever it is. It's uh, any sport. It's hard to grab how do you make someone a fan of what you do. And just putting a product on TV, on the track, on the field, on the court, that's not enough anymore. You have to show, you have to be relatable. And these shows have really done a good job of relating to people who don't, you know, do that sport showing us as people, showing us in our everyday lives, showing the emotions of the playoffs, the ups and downs, the heartaches of it. For some reason, as a human race, we love seeing heartaches and pain. And I think the, <laughs> the documentary showed a lot of heartache and pain, you know, in the playoffs and pride. Uh, and I think people really like that. Like, I have no idea what it's like to be an NFL quarterback, but watching that show, seeing those guys, like, give me a whole new perspective. Like, hey, I like that guy. Or That's neat about that guy. You kind of relate to those people. So um, I think it did a good job. Hopefully it sticks around. Hopefully it comes back. Um, because I think people really enjoyed it, and I think the drivers enjoyed opening up as well. And I think you would have more drivers open up even more when this, if it comes back again, right? Kind of understanding what it does, the reach that it has. I think you're going to have more people be like, okay, really open your doors. I mean, I opened my doors up probably 80%, you know, and um, some guys were more, some guys were less. 
And I think if that comes back, I think more guys are going to get open, open their doors up a lot more, which is, which is good. Hey, Dan Gelson, Associated Press. We all, you know, heard that little, I guess, motivational nickname advice your girlfriend gave you in the show. <laughs> You're not supposed to forget who you are, of course. Yeah. Do a lot of people, is that like your big nickname? A lot of people call you the RF? RFB? RFB, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. She uh, was mortified when that <laughs> was caught on microphone. When, I, when we watched it a few days before it came out, she's like, oh, my God, I can't believe they put that in there. And it was on the trailer. I was like, that bold putting it on the trailer. Uh, but it was fine. I think she's, she's gotten over her embarrassment of that, and uh, she's embraced it. I was like, yeah, I said that. So maybe we'll make some shirts. I can't have the full wording on the shirts, but we'll bleep out some, some letters. By virtue of being Cup Series champion, Blaney also gains access to the coveted Champions Journal. The journal was started by Jimmy Johnson seven years ago, and it contains a series of entries from each Cup champion that has been passed on to the next. Blaney was handed the top secret entries by his teammate, Joey Logano, who made the latest transfer as the 2022 champion. Logano had much to tell his Team Penske compatriot. It, wasn't, it was actually really easy because I know him so well. I went out to the second page. <laughs> yeah, I got a lot to say. No. Just really no. cool. Yeah, I know, right? No. <laughs> a lot to say. Sometimes I wrote anything I didn't have much to say. <laughs> so this time I did. <laughs> it's, it's honestly, I was talking to Jimmy about it uh, at the Fox hangar shoot there um, the other day. And it's just so cool that he started that. And it's like the best kept secret in our sport. There's no secrets in our sport. Like none. You guys figure them all out. We have one on you guys. We got one. And you know it's there, and that's the best part about it. You guys know it's there, but you can't see it. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, is it real or not? And maybe we're screwing with you the whole time. It's not even a thing. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just cool to, I don't know, that we have that. And it's, uh, it's really special you know, for the champion to, to receive that book, but to have the privilege to read back you know, years and years. And imagine how cool it's going to be in 20 years from now or 30 years from now. It's going to be just badass. So um, it's a little nerve-wracking when you have it because you're like, man, I don't want to be the guy that, you know, something happens to it, you lose it. Spill your coffee. Oh, I was thinking when I was writing in it, and I was like, I put everything away. Like, I'm like, <laughs> really, like, because the last thing you want is to ruin it. Um, so it's a special thing. It's not like it's we, – we should have it documented somewhere, backed up somewhere. Just in case is what we should do. It's probably a good idea, <laughs> but it's uh, it's cool. And maybe someday it gets published or something like, and it'll be a. I mean, it'll be a huge deal. Um, I don't think it's big enough right now to to do that. But it is really cool to see the personal letters to the next champion, right? I mean, it's, it's all it is. And and some of them are short. Some of them are really short. Some of them are really long. Uh, like you. Well, sometimes. Uh, that's cool. It's, it's kind of neat. Okay. We talked. Yeah, man, I, we, we, I said just don't let the opportunity be a waste because, like, this is it. Like, you can you can do a lot with the platform that he has. Um, for his own brand, for all of us as, in the sport, um, there's a lot of cool things that come along with it, right? You get to be on the voting panel for the Hall of Fame. Like, there's a lot of really cool things that happen um, that you can really influence decisions um, and make the sport better. And he should be. He's the current champion. No one else gets it better than him right now. Uh, so he needs to be able to, you know, have his voice out there. And I think him being, you know, young and popular and, you know, all that, that those good things too is not bad for a sport. This season marks Jimmy Johnson's second as a driver owner in the Cup Series. But it might as well be the first 
given how much has changed with the team's switch to Toyota. Legacy Motor Club has staffed up this season in conjunction with the new manufacturer that it hopes will be a game changer on its results. When you look at the new partnerships and Toyota coming on board, um, I've been, been quite active on the revenue side or the carpet side of the business. Um, I think we've made some great hires in our executive staff and our leadership group on the carpet side and certainly on the concrete side. You know, we're, we're making some huge strides there. <clears throat> we've uh, basically doubled in size. Uh, just in a few short months, so you know there's a lot of growth, but you know my my involvement's been pretty steady and consistent. Um, it's it's been really impressive to watch everyone else work so hard. I mean, there really are a lot of men and women working countless hours um, to help us make a huge step forward this year. And I think you know this year, I hope that we do make a huge step forward, and everybody can see it, and it's noticeable. But I think after that, it becomes incremental and it's going to be tough to really chip away at um, you know the the people up that are up top and the people that we want to uh, race with and, and race with on a consistent basis. Jacob Stillman, Race Face Digital. Jimmy, uh, what do you feel like Legacy has gained from working with Toyota so far, David, the resources, what you guys have experienced over these couple of months? Yeah, it's it's been overwhelming in the greatest of ways. The amount of data we have, the just uh, the tools that are included with that. Um, some tools we need to design and create and literally had to hire software coders to help us create the tools that we need because this is a new system, a new software for us, and we have a lot of responsibilities on our side to, uh, to receive all this information. Um, but it's, uh, it's been a great journey, and it, and it really is a partnership, and we're thankful that they believe in us. And we look forward to taking that, that big step forward that I mentioned earlier. And then we know it's going to get tougher as we go here. But um, it truly is a partnership, and we're, we're very thankful for it. The way we race today is much different than uh, my last year in 2020. And the demand that's on the manufacturers today and how they really control data and the progression of technology um, is different. So at all the years I was at Hendrick, Hendrick really led all of that. Of course, GM helped. Um, but there, there was less of a technical demand on GM, and it was much more of a marketing um, relationship. Um, not, not all marketing, but Hendrick did the heavy lifting on, on the technology. It, it's so different now. And so it's tough for me to compare because now I'm with Toyota when the manufacturers are required to provide so much. So it's not a true apples-to-apples -apples comparison. But the thing that really stands out to me now spending time with Toyota like I have is why they have the very – um, specific car count and their, their laser focus on the teams that they have and how they can provide and their, their philosophy behind that. Um, it, it really is, is amazing, and we are fortunate to be receiving and reaping the rewards of all of that. Um, it's, it's very tough to be in there, you know, inside that, the family and the partnership, and, and we're there, and now I can see um, just how special that is uh, now that we're in there. Eric Jones returns for his third year in the number 43 for Legacy Motor Club, but with a familiar feeling as a cup driver who has weathered a lot of changes in seven seasons. It's just been a, a long road for me um, in cup, and not, not just in the 43 car. Uh, you know, come in in the 20, and then I've come to the 43, and we've gone through so many changes, personnel and ownership and manufacturer, uh, you know, internally and team. 
Um, so every year has been, you know, a grind. And, and this year's really, it started no different, right? It's a grind right now for us just because we're working hard to, to try to hit the ground in the right direction. So uh, every year has been that, that grind. But, you know, this year it, it doesn't feel like a, um, a lost cause, right? You know, sometimes it feels like you're just working and working and working and everything's pushing back against you. You know, I feel like we're working hard and, and things are pushing for us, right? We've got a lot of people in our corner that are, are pushing and saying, okay, you know, you guys are working hard and putting the work in. We want to see you run well, right? Toyota wants us to run well. Um, our group internally obviously wants us to run well. But you know, I think the manufacturer support is, is the biggest thing. Having a manufacturer that wants you to go out and succeed um, can make a big difference. Jones also addressed what life will be like for Legacy Motor Club without an alliance. Though all three teams are under the Toyota data sharing umbrella, Legacy Motor Club will operate independently of Joe Gibbs Racing and 2311 Racing. That's a good question. I mean, right now, I mean, yeah, it'd be handy, right? You know, um, I, I'd be lying. I think anybody would be lying if they didn't say that in our group. But, you know, in, in the long run, man, you got to be independent in my eyes, you know, and, and we've, we've made those steps with the pit crew. Um, we've made those steps, obviously, with the team, you know, firing off without the alliance. So it, it, it's a gamble, right? I mean, coming in with a new manufacturer and, and you've got a blank slate. You know, all we've got to look back on is whatever little bit we've learned the last couple of years and trying to apply it with Toyota, which is not always very fruitful, right, for manufacturer and manufacturer. So, um, yeah, I mean, it'd sure be nice to have uh, somewhere to start. But um, that that's what a lot of the work's been right now is just getting that baseline. And it's hard when you're not racing, right, or testing. Like, we, we don't – we can't go out and just create data. You know, we have to have it live and happen. I have to do it to scale – tires better for these guys you know I, I can't always bank memory back and say oh well, this is exactly what it drove like I, I need to get out and and do it again so yeah it's hard not having it but in the long run I, I think being independent is is the only way you know you don't see teams that it's very rare but you don't usually see teams running off alliances that that are you know winning championships right we've seen it before with French Row but it, it's, not a, it's not a very often occurrence. Roush Fenway Kozlowski Racing is entering its third season with Brad Kozlowski at the helm. Coming off an impressive playoff run alongside winning teammate Chris Buescher, Kozlowski is promising even bigger returns. But he also knows if his unconventional approaches don't work, the buck stops with him. Yeah, I, I think we had a, a really good offseason. Um, you know, we, we finished 23 with some pretty good confidence. You know, Chris ran really well at Phoenix. Uh, we ran pretty good there, but, you know, we had a, a strong playoffs. And we ended up 7th and 8th in the, the final standings, which was, you know, a, a, a pretty significant improvement from where we ended 22. And uh, from there, you know, I think we, we've made a, a lot of key investments, key moves to just be even stronger for this year. And uh, some of those, you know, more tangible than, than others with, uh, you know, the Ford and the Dark Horse Mustang, which I'm sure is going to get, uh, rightfully so, a, a lot of uh, love and, and attention. Uh, and some of those, you know, less visible with, with people and, uh, you know, experience and training and resources and processes and all those kind of buzzwords that don't really mean a lot to everybody, but they do mean a lot to the results. So 
you know, my expectations coming to the year are pretty high. You know, I think we're we're going to be a team that can win multiple races with the six and seventeen, and uh, you know, hopefully take another step up from where we were last year. And uh, if we do everything right, maybe even be uh, you know championship threat. You know, I'm not a, a tribalist. You know, I try to pride myself on critical thinking, and there's a little bit of contrarian in me for sure that, you know, leads me down different paths just for the sake of traveling the road less traveled and exploring it and enjoying it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it served me to date. Probably the most difficult thing of owning a race team is recognizing that all accountability is now on your shoulders. Everybody likes authority. Nobody really cares for accountability. Uh, when you're the owner, you don't have a choice. You have full accountability. And, uh, you know, things happen that are some seemingly out of your control. But in the end, it, it always comes back to you. And uh, whether it's a decision you've made uh, with personnel or resources or whatever it might be and uh, partners that you've aligned with. And so there's there's a significant uh, burden of accountability that you have to be willing to accept. Martin Truex Jr. will turn 44 on June 29th, making him the oldest full-time driver in the NASCAR Cup Series. Though the New Jersey native is a man of few words, he was in an introspective mood on Media Day about his place in NASCAR amid the changing of generations and why it's easier for him to slough off the bad days in his mid-40s. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a lot of talent, you know, a lot of young talent around, which is great. I think the sport's in a good place, and there's going to be uh, a lot of competitive drivers uh, for, for a long time to come that people can talk about that are good for the sport and just, um, you know, hard-nosed racers that, that kind of get it. And, um, you know, the family names kind of, you know, still go in there on a lot of them. So, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been fun to, um, to see the change over the years of, you know, the older drivers moving out and younger guys coming in and, uh, it's hard. It's crazy to think that I'm the oldest driver now. It doesn't seem that long ago that I was one of the young guys. So uh, time flies, but uh, sports in good hands. Yeah, I mean, I, I've certainly talked to my share of young, younger drivers. I would say I'm not, you know, one of the first ones that gets seeked out. I don't, I don't really talk a whole lot or hang out with a lot of, a lot of drivers away from the track. But uh, teammates throughout the years, you know, it's been fun to help them as well. And uh, you know, Ty's been somebody the last uh, two years that's that's been full of questions so it's been fun to work with him see his progress well I think it's changed a lot since I've been here um, you know I think certainly the last few years with the you know this next gen car has been the biggest change I would say you know I think it's it's constantly evolved since I came into the sport as far as trying to tighten things up but the next gen car just took it all to a new level you know you're talking about everybody having the same exact parts and pieces that's something that's never been a part of this sport so um, that's definitely been the game changer. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's it's super competitive, and it's that's so hard for the teams to find small things that make a difference, you know, make a difference for their driver or for their entire organization, whatever it is. It's all about the details now, and, you know, we have a lot of people at JGR and, and at Toyota that work on nothing but engineering and small details, and, um, yeah, totally different than, you know, figuring out how to build parts and pieces differently. Now you just have to figure out how to put them together and how to use them you know, to the best of your ability. So very, very difficult, very technical, and, um, you know, all the little tiny little things you can put together make a difference. You know, this is a humbling sport, and it just reminds you of how tough it is and how lucky you, how lucky you are when you're in a situation where you're winning a lot. You know, I try doing this a long time. Been a lot of ups and downs, a lot of good times, a lot of bad, and, you know, it's um, I, 
I realize how fortunate I am to do what I do, and it's not too hard anymore to get over those bad days. I'm not trying to prove myself anymore. Um, you know, there's always doubters, and but when you're a young guy and you're first coming in, you haven't made your, your mark yet or won your races or done your thing, show people who you are, what you're all about. You're always trying to prove yourself, and um, it's the funnest part of where I'm at in my career now is I just don't give a damn. Like, I race my heart out. I race as hard as I can. I give it all I have. When I leave the racetrack, I leave the racetrack. And um, aside from working with my team during the week, I just kind of turn off racing um, until the next weekend comes around. Things change, you know. You, you learn a lot. Experience is, is worth a lot. And, um, you know, this is a tough sport. It's really, really difficult. Um, every, I feel like it's gotten harder every year. There's more things that measure what you're doing these days. Um, you know, those young guys have it tough. Um, I don't want to go back and do that again. Thanks for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. As always, you can head to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR for detailed coverage from colleagues Dustin Long and John Newton. I'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks again for listening. When something happens to your car, you might say, No! My car! But what you really need to say is something that can actually help. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And just like that, State Farm is there to help you file your claim right on the State Farm mobile app. So, just remember, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big.